You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and the interview subject coming up is from a band from Sweden called Amon Amarth. You'll hear from Jocky Walgren. Jocky's the drummer in the outfit, and the reason for the conversation is to promote the upcoming album, the brand new one for 2019. It's called Berserker. So let's have a listen to what Yoki has to say. Here we go. Thanks so much for waiting, Yoki, from Amora Mar. You now have Andrew's metal obsession on the line. Go ahead, please. Thanks very much for that. How are you? Hey, man. I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, very good. It's uh, the day after a very long uh, Easter celebration here, as it is for you guys, no doubt, as well. So, mate, I've only had, but I'm proud to say, mate, I've only had two Easter eggs this entire time, despite having children. All right, nice. <laughs> so I've even limited it for them, actually. So we've been giving them um, Easter egg-shaped toys and bunnies and all of that sort of stuff, you know, all of the non-metal stuff you've got to do when you're a parent. You can appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you do what you have to do to make them a good kid. <laughs> that, you, you definitely do, mate, yeah. So how the how the phone call's been going for you, mate? Have we been asking interesting questions of this new album for you? Yeah, it's- Pretty much the same questions all over, but uh, it's uh, it's fine. I, uh, I I didn't expect to do this much press uh, since I'm the new guy, but uh, yeah, I'm all good. No <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what band were, What band were you in beforehand? I was in uh, two other bands uh, right before I started. I'm on more. So one called uh, Valkyria with uh, a J. Okay. Uh, yeah. Swedish black metal. Nice. And then I played in uh, October Tide as well. That's a uh, doom metal band from Sweden with uh, former Catatonia members. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And what, what inspired the uh, what inspired the initiative, if you like, to join the guys in a monomath? An opportunity too good to pass up, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. That was, that was the first main reason that I, I really wanted to play on a professional level uh, all my life, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, I got the the call from Olavi that says we need to talk pretty much, and then uh, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that's how it started. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, look, it's um, I've had I've had a listen to Janine sent across a couple of cuts actually, so I've been listening to them in the background as I've been going about housework and stuff. I tend to find that's the best way for me to absorb music, mate. And mate, the first thing that I noticed about this one here is the production is outstanding. Okay, so I could hear everything, and that was over the iPhone speaker. So congratulations on that. I mean, it's it's a big deal that one there because man, so many people listen to music over these very small, rather shitty devices. You know, the speakers on the devices aren't that crash hot. But when when something is a really good production quality, it doesn't seem to affect it so much. So that's that's the first compliment I've got to offer you guys. So you must have spent months working on the production and the engineering side of it. We didn't spend too much time in the production. That was more of the, of the our producer Jay Ruston. He he did all the sounds and all the mixing and mastering. Yeah. No, sorry, not mastering, but the mixing. And uh, so he he he's the one we had to to thank for for this uh, production of the album. It sounds sounds awesome. I mean, you can even hear the bass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my point. I'm a bass player, mate. So that was one of the points that I, that I picked up was that. You, you can actually hear the bass guitar on it, mate. So what did you have to stick around and make sure that that was the case when the things were being mixed as well? Uh, we, we didn't stick around for the mixing, but we got uh, all the versions sent to us. 
so so we can listen to it in our car and our home home stereo and our headphones and all all those yeah. devices. So we and, and then we came with the feedback to the to the mixing process. Mm, yeah, fair enough. So Jay Rustin, he's worked with. Um, I think he's worked. He did the most recent Anthrax album, if I'm not mistaken. But he's also done Stone Sour and, of course, Steel Panther and some older stuff like Uriah Heep. So, what was he like to work with in the studio as a as a producer, as a fellow that you had to spend a lot of time with? And the producer, did he have a lot of sage words and wise advice to impart? He did. Yeah, he had a really good uh, advice both for uh, recording drums and also the rec- uh, recording guitars and vocals. Uh, yeah, and also we did this, uh, we didn't record it as, as you normally record a uh, record nowadays. Mm. Usually you do like drums for two weeks and then that's done. Yeah. And then you go to the guitars and the bass and then the vocals and then overdubs and whatever. Mm. Uh, but we did the drums for one song and then we and we all played together in a room, so it's live recorded pretty much. Yep, yep. And you, uh, and then we took the best takes from the drums, and then we put it together pretty much. And then we did the guitars, and then we did the next song. So yeah, right. Yep. Who does who does most of the writing in the band, writing of the songs? I would say Ulavi does sixty five percent, and uh, Johan does the rest. Okay, no worries. Have you been given an opportunity yourself? Because you're obviously very creative coming from the bands that you mentioned. Were you given an opportunity to add your flavour, if you like, to things? Yes, uh, but most uh, drumming-wise, since I really don't know how to play guitar. <laughs> All right, okay, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the drumming's, man, the drumming is, is fabulous. I've got to hand it to you there, too. It's um, it's always been a very dominant characteristic of the band, but I really think, look, I, I can't say I'm an old fan because the, the when I say I'm an old fan, not an old fan, the first time I heard of you guys was actually on a compilation, a Metal Blade compilation back in the year 2000. And I don't know whether you got that one. I can't remember the name of it, though, but it was a pretty good compilation. It had um, Six Feet Under and a few other bands of that era that are obviously still around, but they were a bit more prominent back then. But you guys definitely stood out back then. And then, of course, there was this uh, this Viking thing and this great Scandinavian thing that comes along with you guys. And you guys played it at, um, at Download last year as well, didn't you? Uh, yes, back yeah. in... 17 i think yeah 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 how did you find the the tour the download festival when you were here uh they were great uh really hard to to say that like uh, this was the best one or this is the best one because all the festivals kind of flow together for yep. me <laughs> uh but i remember it was very nice uh the sun goes in another direction there which is pretty <laughs> awesome Yep. <laughs> a bit, yeah, a bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, it, but it, it was pretty funny because we started the play and I was like, yeah, the sun is about to set. And then it just uh, went the other way. So <laughs> I was like, fuck, I should have brought my sunglasses <laughs> to the station. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah God, so it it's was a, pretty awesome. Yeah. For, for the European festivals, have you ever had to wear sunglasses on stage because you're staring straight into the sun? Is that is that the, the thing that's allowed for you guys to do or you've just got to sort of put up with it, I suppose, have you? There are pretty pretty few fe- festivals that we play that early and that where where the sun is still up. But uh, yep. it ha- it happened a few times, and uh, I, I I I didn't play with sunglasses yet because I think it looks uh, 
Well, it looks pretty cool, but I can't headbang with them. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and daylight doesn't so exactly that's, suit. That's, that's my reason I get yeah, and the, the other thing is daylight doesn't exactly suit a Monomath, does it? It's not really the time, best time for you guys to be playing. No, it's not. And the band has gotten so big, so we get uh, the, pretty much the almost the best spot on every festival now. You do, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Like if if you know the band's been going. God, how long has the band been going for now? Twenty five plus years or so, a long time. But you put all this effort and energy yeah. into it, and, and I know you're a relative recent arrival, but it must be thrilling to get to this point, particularly, I mean, you're a career musician, obviously, but it must be thrilling to get to this point and actually go, hang on a sec, we're not just making, this is not just, you know, a standard career here, we're actually very successful at that, at this. So did you ever think all of these years down the line when you first started drumming that you'd be a successful drummer and a successful musician touring the world in such a great band like Amana Marth? Uh, I didn't think of myself in this position. No, I didn't. Uh, but I hoped for it, and I, I've, I've been struggling for 16 years before I joined the band to be yeah. to be as professional as possible. And uh, yeah, it turned out well. <laughs> it's turned out very well, mate. Yeah, it's turned out awesomely. Yeah, actually, I was talking to one of your um, contemporaries not too long ago. Um, the guys in uh, Watain. Um, do you, have you guys thought of guys teaming up and doing a bit of a Swedish invasion tour or something like that? Uh, well, we are doing the the European, uh, sorry, the the Swedish. Uh, what do you say, like metal package tour in the states? Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, Who's on the bill? It's uh, it's, uh, it's us. It's Arch Enemy. It's At the Gates and uh, Grand Magus. Oh wow! Holy moly! Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, Grand Magus are a fantastic band. Grand Magus are like um, yeah. a really good version of Manowar, if you don't mind me saying. They're just they're they're tremendous. But Arch Enemy, man, yeah. And at the you know at the gates are in Australia as we speak, actually. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah. Adrian, my friend Adrian from there, posted uh, some pictures from uh, from there. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's. Um, I mean, look, I'm an old-school metalhead, right, from the perspective that I grew up with heavy metal in the deep, dark 90s. Remember how bad the 90s were for heavy metal? Certainly they weren't that crash hot here in Australia. It was very hard to get a hold of anything. But, man, to to be alive in 2019 and have all these wonderful Scandinavian artists that are prepared to tour Australia, it's a fantastic time to be alive from a metal fan's perspective in Australia. So do you get a lot of feedback from Australian fans over social media? Uh, I well, me personally, I don't know because I don't really check where all the people are from. All right, yeah. But uh, when when we played in Australia, that was really good. It was really fun to be there. And uh, yeah, first of all, to see to see the the cities and the and your country. Yep. And then also to meet the fans. And uh, I love the way you you guys speak your Australian accent is beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, it's we, we were a curiosity up until I think the internet started, I think, and then and more like you've probably met Australians in Sweden, no doubt, because we seem to be everywhere. But yeah, I get that a fair bit. I, th- I think I was talking to a couple of years back when I first started doing this interviewing thing in this indie journal pursuit. Some of the bands I spoke to, I was the first Australian that they'd ever spoke spoken to. So they uh, used to get me to yeah, you, they, they found my interest, my accent very interesting. Put it that way, compared to the English. And the uh, and the American accent, yeah. you know. But let me let me ask you yeah. this: 
Can can you can you tell the difference between a South African, New Zealand, and an Australian accent? Uh, wow, uh, I I never tried, uh, but probably not. I th- I know I know not so much for our, our Swedish friends, but certainly for our friends in the United States, have a lot of trouble picking them apart. Um, which we find really funny because we think we don't sound anything like Kiwis or South Africans, and I'm sure they think the same of us too. Mm. You know. Yeah, probably. Yeah, what do you do? Yeah. So, ne- you're right. I've never been to to New, New Zealand, so. Oh, yeah, beautiful country! Yeah, beautiful country. Beautiful. Uh, it's yeah. not too different from where you're from, mate. Actually, especially on the South Island. You know, freezing cold, lots of snow, oh, uh, lots of green. Except there's a lot of. Uh, you've seen uh, the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, of course. I'm a big fan. I even have a, a tattoo of the Tree of Gondor on my chest. Shit, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, it's that's that's where it was filmed. That's where Peter Jackson chose to film it in his homeland in New Zealand. So I think if you've seen those films, that's what New Zealand looks like. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm stoked to get there in the next couple of years. Well, that's yeah. That was a question I was going to ask. Are you, are you plan? Do you know if there are plans at foot? Obviously, there are plans at foot for you guys to come down again. But do you know when that'll be? Uh, I don't actually. Probably, probably going to U.S., Europe uh, twice, and then uh, Russia, South America, and also fly back to down under there. So yeah, ho- hopefully, yeah. hopefully this touring cycle, and I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to get there. Yeah, well, you got a lot. Well, you already know, obviously, you've been here that you've got a lot of fans here. You know, I think there were there were as many Amon Amarth t-shirts in the crowd at download as there were any other band down there you know that and that's really saying something for you guys in terms of your popularity everywhere all right yeah that's awesome yeah. you tend to find the real fans wear the t-shirt don't they especially at a very prominent event like download because they want to show off their allegiance yeah exactly yeah we appreciate that that's uh it's really fun to see when you go up in, into the crowd to see and to see everyone wearing our shirts and that's uh that's uh what do you say like um our our uh, Viking fans. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, mate. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, for the interruption. It's just your two-minute reminder, thanks. Okay, no worries. Thanks for that. No worries. Um, last question for you then, obviously, mate. Um, I always like to do this. I like to throw a curveball toward the end, okay? And I'm going to make this an obvious one because I've had so many interesting responses to this one. But, mate, when, you, when you've been on tour, because you've obviously been on tour a fair bit by this stage, what's the weirdest thing you've seen? The weirdest thing? Um I'm going to go ahead and say uh, when we played in New York uh, with the Jomsvaking album cycle, uh, we, I saw a guy crowd surfing with his wheelchair uh, from <laughs> the back to the front. So that was that was uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, actually that happened it, down... It, 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 it took a while for him to get there, but uh, it was uh, awesome to see everyone struggling with his wheelchair, you know, <laughs> squeezing their hands in his wheels and everything, but... I can see him coming slowly but secure to, to the front. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, that's a good one. There was actually a guy in the Limp Biscuit mosh pit at Download who was in a wheelchair as well. And I think Fred Durst got him up on oh, stage, shit. if I'm not mistaken. I think Fred Durst, you know, you know, obviously some of their history in here in Australia, uh, there's had a tragic event happen at one of their events. So I think Fred stopped the music and just made sure this guy could get up on stage and jam with them. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, it is. All right, mate, look, I'll better let you go, but it's been a privilege and, a, and, a, and an honour to talk to you. Good luck with everything, mate. You're an awesome band, and, mate, good luck on getting the gig. A belated congratulations to you, I should say, on getting the gig there as well, man, because you're in an awesome band. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Very nice of you. My pleasure, mate. And also, thanks for having me. It was really nice. No, no worries, mate. My pleasure at all. It's been great talking to you. All right. All right. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks so much. Thank you, Andy. Thank thanks you. So okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was Yoki Walgren from the Swedish outfit, A Monomath. Thank you so much for listening.